But I can't remember. <laughs> it has literally just gone blank. Stars in your eyes. Who's seen stars in your eyes? Well, um, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Clay McGregor. Because <laughs> Clay was supposed to be speaking tonight, but I got a phone call uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, just to say they'd had a little accident at home and he hasn't got the time to prepare. So you're stuck with me tonight. So if you're expecting Clay, um, I'll try and be as good as he is. So here we go. But... Um, you know, I've just been some thoughts that I've just sort of been pondering, probably in the last week or two. And some of these thoughts I just want to challenge us with. Uh, and one of them is the return of Christ. And I've said it maybe a couple of times as I've been up and down on stages, but I've just been pondering his return. The Bible speaks about it quite clearly. And I've been asking myself, does the return of Christ influence the way I'm living today. Knowing that this person called Jesus is going to come back to collect the bride, to judge the world, and to set up and establish his kingdom on earth, does that knowledge outwork itself in me to any degree? And we can know that in our head. We can, we can go to certain books and we can read about it. But is it influencing the way I'm living my life? Is it, um, is it challenging me to, le- to live in a kind of way? Is it encouraging me to step out in faith? Is it, is it scaring me a little bit that Almighty Jesus is going to return? And am I being built in a way that would please Him today, that would reflect what He did on the cross for me? And tonight I want to talk about our relationship with Him. I want to talk about knowing Him intimately and flowing in a divine order that He has given the church to flow in. Because it is really critical that we are flowing in this order if we are wanting to know Him to the fullest capacity we can. Because I said we can know certain things in our head, but it's not to stay in our head. We can acquire a whole lot of knowledge and it never become revelationary knowledge that transforms you or changes you or brings a reality to you that it's supposed to. <laughs> What's the time? It's five o'clock. I'm going to read. Absolutely. Let me read you 1 Chronicles 29, and this is David's prayer. And I wanted to encourage you with this, because this is how magnificent the God is we worship. This is how huge the God is we worship. It says this, So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, listen to this, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. You Now, Kirk was just saying about him and and Mel's salary. It's, It's all God's. It's actually not theirs. It's God that gives it to them to steward and to, and, and, to, and to release into the earth to be blessed, to be a blessing. 
Everything we have comes from Him. Everything will return back to Him. So it's a challenge for us, isn't it? Because in this world of, and we heard about this morning, materialism, we think it's ours, it's my thing, my thing. I've got two little girls and one of them is sort of transitioning from, you know, well, she has now become two. And, and so with that comes a different set of, of things that you're dealing with. Everything now is about mine and I. I want, it's mine, I. And there's more fighting going on in our home. But actually it's all his. Every single thing we have is his. Every gift you have, the way you look, the way what's in you is his. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. What a God that we worship, eh? It's just unfathomable. This God that that David writes about, that he sings about, that he worships, is our God. And the magnificence of how big he is, and he wants a relationship with you and me. That blows my mind. I know who I am. I know my struggles. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. The fact that the God of the universe who created me, gave me life, has literally, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.3, that he spoke the world into being. With the breath of his life, he spoke it into being. I mean, what sort of a God do we worship? What sort of a God is it that wants to be in a relationship with you and me? The intimacy that we have been created for is incredible. And I'm praying tonight that we can capture a glimpse of it. And maybe for some of us tonight, we'd wake up from maybe where we're at and come into another revelation, a realization of who this God is and the longing He has to be with you. He created Adam and Eve for relationship before He did anything else. Heaven didn't need to invade earth because heaven was on earth. We didn't have to pray for anybody. We didn't have to preach the gospel. We didn't have to go out and do any of the doing things because it was perfection. It was paradise. We heard about that this morning. There was this thing called the tree of life that God said to Adam and Eve, feed from the tree of life, the life that brings life. The life that brings Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine. Don't touch the tree of good and evil. You can't handle that knowledge. And if you bite from it, you'll try and be God. You'll want to be a God and you'll try and come up with your own set of regulations for how you're supposed to live. And mankind did. And that's the stinking world that we live in today. It's why we all have iniquity in us, which is lawlessness, which separates us from the Father. And we all actually want to be God in our old nature. But the God of the tree of life, Jesus, that brings this incredible life, this, this fruit, this, this transformation of life. Jesus said, my words are life and spirit. That God, incredibleness, wants to be in a relationship with you and me. And that you would come to a place, which we're going to talk about tonight, of an intimate relationship that he has died for you to come into that goes beyond just dying on a cross and being justified. And we've been talking about this over the last month and some of you may not have heard me speaking because I've been speaking mainly in the morning so I encourage you to go and have a listen on the website in the morning. But Jesus Christ died for us to come into life and life abundantly. He died that you would reach 
the full inheritance that he has for you in that book. Not just step across the line because you prayed a prayer and acknowledged who he was, but the fact is that you continue to search, you continue to dig, you continue to, 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 to unlock the hidden mysteries of the kingdom, and through that you are being molded and shaped into the image of him which brings glory to earth, and you, his kingdom is manifested through you to a world that so desperately needs him. And I talked about this divine order last Sunday. I really just sort of, I, I, I sort of glimpsed on it for about five minutes and then I continued on. And I want to rip that apart tonight. What is this thing called, a, this divine order? And that's what I've actually called the title of my message because we need to live our relationship from this divine order. And we need to understand why we need to as well because there's been something we've been invited to not just to come into the fullness of, of, our, um, of our, our inheritance here on earth and to be moulded into his image, but that we don't hear these words. And I want you to listen to this, that we would not, me and you would not hear these words. I do not know you. Those words are in this book. I do not know you. We're going to look at that tonight a bit later on. But the creator of the universe wants to be so intimate with us from a love-based perspective of love from the heart, from our soul, from our mind, and from where? Our strength. Come with me to Mark 12. Mark 12, 28. Well done for coming out tonight when we could all be at the beach or having barbecues or somewhere else. It's good that you chose to be in the house of God to hear his word that transforms, his word that continues to shape us as his children. Give me a yell when you're there. Mark 12, uh, verses 28. I'm sorry I haven't got a PowerPoint um, for you tonight. I just finished this at about half past four. <laughs> Are we there? Okay. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, This is Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, everyone say all, and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. All three letters, powerful word, isn't it? It's only three letters. It's like but. <laughs> you know, it's like that, but. All, we've got to love him with all those things. That's in, that encompasses us as a complete person, doesn't it? The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself, is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now the reality is today, and I've been guilty of this, probably still am to a point, and I'm trying to work on this, is that, I want to flow from that divine order and I just don't want to offer God 
offerings and sacrifices if it's not coming from that order. I don't want to be caught up just doing things because I'm supposed to do things as a Christian because someone who preaches on a Sunday tells me that I'm supposed to be doing things if I'm not doing it from the right perspective of heart, soul, my mind and my strength. If it's not in that order, it's just religious works that Jesus never asked anybody to do. We've got to come to the reality that we must flow in that divine order. It's called the greatest commandment. It's not a greatest um, you know, random thought. It's not a greatest well, whatever you want to do. It's a commandment from the God that I just read about. Guys, we need to take this seriously. It's the words of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus Christ spoke all of creation into being. And that person says, my church, it needs to love me with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind and all their strength. And not to offer up offerings and sacrifices if it's not done through that heart position. He goes on. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, don't you love that? He said to him, interesting words, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You've answered this way and now you're not far from it. What was Jesus trying to get through to this man? And I um, just want you to imagine... Um, this, I want you to picture heart as the first thing. Just maybe put it in front of you, in front of your mind, heart, which is the spiritual aspect of us. Then the soul underneath it, which is the emotion, it's our, our will, our feelings, all those things, our mind. And it's the mind, which is the mental, and then it's the strength, which is our physical. Can you see that? Our heart, which is our spiritual. Our soul, which is our emotional. Our mind, which is our mental. And our strength, which is our physical. And here's the problem. If you're worshipping or you're in a relationship with Jesus where it's been flipped around, where you're operating from your strength and not from a love of a heart, then very quickly what can happen is you end up saying words like, I will do it. It's my way because you're not operating from loving God with all your heart you're coming at it from a human perspective which is strength my strength and I'm learning this process more and more that I, I must walk in the rest of Jesus which is active he said my burden is easy and my yoke is light and it, Back in March last year, I started to come into a greater revelation of that truth. I thought I actually had it down pat until he revealed some things to me where I wasn't actually walking in that to the fullness of what I am today. And the reality is there's probably more for me to discover of walking in that truth as well because I'm discovering that we need to be having an ongoing revelation of God's truth. It's not just you arrive at a set point, it's ongoing. And we've looked at that over the last four weeks. So why is it so important that we operate from this divine order? One reason it's so vital that we operate from this divine order is that the Bible teaches us that God has intentionally hidden or concealed truths 
that he wants us to go looking for and he reveals these things via the Spirit. They will come to us because of our intimacy and love that we have for him. You can't do that if you're just running around in your own strength and your own works. There's a lot of I in there. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 2. And I've shared this and, I, and, and you know, as we go forward, I'm just sort of preaching some new stuff, going back over stuff, preaching new stuff, going back over stuff because if you only hear it once, there's a good chance you're not, you're not going to hear it. I don't know about you guys, but I listen to certain things and you, and you miss things that the speaker says. These things need to get in our spirits. They're nuggets that need to get in us and we need to meditate and marinate on them, not just go, oh yeah, that was nice, whatever that was, I don't know what he said. Go back and start chewing it over. But listen to this, what this is. This is in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10. It says, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man and that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The NIV says it like this, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has for those who love Him, and it is revealed through the Spirit. Now you take my little picture, heart, spirit, got to come in this way if we're operating from a works-based perspective it reveals through the spirit through intimacy with the father do you understand what i'm trying to say and the enemy loves to flip everything god has upside down on its head the enemy loves to get us one degree off truth to keep us in deception and if the enemy can get a church functioning from works-based instead of love, spiritual heart moving down, then we won't come into the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to show us because it says there, there are things he has for us that our mind cannot conceive. But when we're in his presence, when we sit in his presence, when we worship him like we did tonight and at home and in our car and just literally just sit with the Father and say, speak to me, speak to my spirit. I love you. I want to be with you. I want to be intimate with you. I just want to hang in your presence without any of the distractions from the world. And I just want to sit. I want you to pour over me your presence. I want you to release it from me. I just want to be consumed by your presence, Father. How many of you all know the Holy Spirit wants to speak and he wants to show you things that will blow our minds. Revelation. Revelation, the word means apocalypsis, which means the unveiling of or the unraveling of, the peeling back of things. That we would come into a fuller understanding. A second reason we must operate from this divine order is so we receive our reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Do you know you're going to be judged as Christians? Did you know that? I'm not talking about heaven or hell judgment. I'm talking about a judgment seat of Christ. So you need to know this stuff, don't we? Let me read it to you. 
Some of you look at me like, I don't believe him. <laughs> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he or she has done, whether good or bad. I'm going to read that and I want to read 1 Corinthians 3 to you, verse 11. For no man can lay foundation other than the one is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is Paul again. Now, if any man or woman builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man or woman's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man or woman's work which he has built on it, so has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. Whew. He's starting to get the realization, the revelation that, that we must be living this life accurately in a divine order of through the heart, through loving the Father. Not because we're supposed to, not because someone tells us to, not because of some religious set of rules, but we must come into a love relationship with God. And see, the problem with that scenario is, is that we really can't do anything about that apart from just stand in His presence and say, bring me revelation. Impact me in such a way that I can see you. John 3.27 says, a man can only receive what he's been given from heaven. So you can study the Word of God, you can look at the uh, back, back to front and still not come into the revelation you need to because it can only happen through the Spirit. It can only happen as you sit in His presence and love is the thing that drives you into His presence and you sit there and all of a sudden, bang, revelation comes. We've looked at this, you know, I, he said, Jeremiah says, call out to me because I want to show you great and mighty things that you do not yet know. Do you know how frustrating that is for a leader who's leading people that, and this has been my battle, this is what God has said to me, Greg, you must die. You must die to, to the way you've been building because it is inaccurate. You came into this 13 years ago, but you've been trying to get God's people to do these things. It was through a good heart. I didn't realize that we all must flow from this revelation of heart first, then our soul. Look where the mind is on that. Because it's the renewed mind. It's not just coming from the upside down angle and going, right, I'm just going to read the book and try and figure it out. It says the normal man, the natural man can't figure out this book because it's of the spirit. And so we must sit in the floor. We must be developing a heart-love relationship with the Father, asking Him, screaming, Invade my world. Bring me revelation. I want to get zapped like the Paul did on the road to Damascus. I want to come into this realness of relationship with you where I know you intimately. Not just know about you, not hear about you, not just sing about you, but sing about the one that I know. I know my wife better than any of you. And I know when she, if she was here now or you were in our place, she would say things and you would hear what she says 
And you would say, oh, she meant that. And I'd go, no, she didn't. She meant that. And I heard her say this. I said, I know you did, but what she really meant was this. Why do I know that? Because I know her. See, the different level of knowing about someone and knowing them is incredibly different. And when we come into that river of life, for any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And from the inside out will flow rivers of living water that will transform your life. It's the life of the Word that transforms us, not just head knowledge of the Word. There is knowing and then there is knowing. Paul even said there is real knowledge. What's that? Real knowledge as opposed to knowledge. Spirit-led knowledge. Do not conform to the patterns, the old patterns of the world, which you have learned. You know, when I was in business, when I was running um, NZ Safety, I learned, I could learn the patterns and I knew how to motivate staff and I knew how to sell gear. I knew how to raise the GPR, all those things. But I can't bring those things into this realm and try and apply them. Guess what? It doesn't work. Those are the patterns of the world. You know, the patterns of the kingdom is Jesus says, get your hands off it. You know how frustrating that is for someone that likes to do things? Anyone else? Get your hands off it, Simnor. But I could... But we can just, and we must come into the revelation of what that looks like. And as we journey that process, like I'm doing right now, do you know what? Freedom comes. Real freedom. I spent most of the last two years running around trying to have meetings, trying to mobilize, trying to motivate, trying to get everyone life group leader. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Not only was I knackered at the end of it, but I probably, you know, everyone else is tired. And then sometimes three months later, it's like, I don't really want to do that anymore. Why? Because it wasn't coming from their heart. It wasn't a love relationship with the Father where everything was being motivated from love. It was coming from works and strength, our strength. And we must get to that place. We fall in love and it's just your will. He said, I will build my church. He said, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. The key word in that is I. <laughs> and it's really, it's, it's a fine line that we have to walk. And we need to know our position. Go have a look at 2 Chronicles 20. I can't remember how far, but you, it's about the story of Jehoshaphat. It's a brilliant picture of him learning how to walk this walk where it's out of a love relationship with the Father that everything must happen. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He said, you must be born again to see the kingdom. You've got to be born again to see it. But then you have to be born of water and spirit if you want to enter it and if you want to inherit it. Now being born again, you see it, but if you want to enter and inherit it, you must be born of water. What's that relating to? It's relating to a baptism of water. What is that? It's an act of death. Baptism of water is an act of death. I am dying to my old patterns. They are staying in that tank. And when I come up out of the water, I'm coming up into the new patterns, which is you will build, I will build, and I'm going to partner with that. But what happens is in the natural is we actually do that, but we come up still with our old patterns. And we try and apply our old patterns into this kingdom, wondering why it's not happening, and we go round and round a mountain. 
That's why Jesus was put in there, we must die to self. We must learn to die and be realigned into this relationship where it's a love relationship. Because I said at the start, we've always been created for a love relationship and we are returning to a love relationship. Meaning, laying hands on the sick, preaching the gospel, all those things are great and we're called to do them because we live now in a fallen world. But before the fallen world, Adam hung in the garden. He heard clearly they were in this love relationship. And we're going to touch on a passage from a story about ten virgins. The bride that didn't quite, five heard and five got the, the go ahead to come in and five didn't. I said before, our enemies main weapon is perception and if he can get us operating back to front upside down then he's got us we have to guys we have if that means let me say this as a leader here in this place if you're serving here from a heart of or perspective of because you feel you should you have to or guilt stop stop and you know what will happen? It will challenge the body of Christ to see whether it really does love one another. Because <laughs> if no one rocked up here and led us in worship, because all these guys were serving out of those three things, how would we respond? Would we be okay with that? Or would we go, they have to be up there because I want to enter into God. But they're not serving from the right perspective and while they continue to do that, they're still getting further and further and further and further away from the one that loves them. See, sometimes that's the challenge for leadership because we're not quite in the right place that we all should be. And so we come with an I, 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 I instead of going, well, that's okay. I'll just stand here in silence and just worship God. And if the enemy can get us off-centre, and he takes a degree. What does he come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said this in Matthew 24.4. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 and 3. I wish that you would bear with me a little foolishness. This is Paul. But indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Listen to this. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? That your minds can be led astray into completing things that I never asked you to do. There's a beautiful picture of Mary and Martha sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, one's sitting there, the other one gets up and starts making lunch. She's running around doing all the stuff and she gets actually quite angry with the fact that her sister's sitting there just at the feet, sitting in the presence of God. And she has a go at Jesus. And Jesus comes back and he says, you know what? Martha, it's you that are out of alignment. 
Martha's, Mary, sorry, sitting where she should be. We're intimate. We're engaging. I'm filling her with things. So she can go. But now in a right perspective, a right divine order. But you're running around doing all this stuff in your own strength. See, let me try and figure it out in our mind, our unrenewed minds. It doesn't work. I'm just going to keep going over this point. What we love, we value. And what we value, we invest into. The enemy knows he can get people working from a strength-based position as their starting point and not a love-based position. Then it has a twofold effect on the church. I'm just going to read this out. It can keep us doing a whole lot of religious works that Jesus has never asked us to do, which keeps us from ever coming into a real, tangible, intimate relationship based on love with the Father which keeps us from discovering who God really is and his bigness and it robs us of discovering who we are in him also. It's huge. Number two, it can keep us from our alternate destination as God's people, which is a wedding ceremony and feast, which we have all been invited to, This divine order is to affect the way we do everything. It's to affect the way we build the church, which is you and me. It's to affect the way we serve. It's to affect the way we reach out to others, the way we see God. So if I was to ask you now, what is the picture of God? How big is the God that you know in your heart? Not that you read about, but that you know. Because the size of the God that you believe in and have faith in that's in your heart will be the size of what you will do. And the challenges you will face, you will overcome because of faith. And if I was to ask you, do you love God tonight with all your heart? With everything you are as he commands? What would our answer be? What would my answer be? Do I love you in such a way that my priorities are your priorities or your priorities are my priorities? Do I love you in a way that, you know, like I'm letting go of a whole lot of things and I'm grabbing hold of a whole lot of other things? God, do I love you enough that when my friend came and challenged me the way I was building or part of that process, do I love you enough to go, I may have got it wrong And I want more of you and I want to see more of you. And if we don't love him to that degree, why not? What's stopping that? What's in the way of that? Are we doing everything we can of just going to him and sitting in his presence? Because that's all you can do and asking. All we can do is ask, seek and knock. That's all we can do. For a lot of people it's the hardest thing to do. It's simple. And Paul said, I'm really scared that you have been deceived like Eve was in the garden from the simplicity of this pure relationship. You can run around, you can go to... 
university and study this thing. You can go to learn your music tool. You can do all these things that you think. But all he says, would you come and sit at my feet and operate from a love where it's so consuming that you know me that you would lay your life down for me? Because that's the ultimate goal. The more you love him, the more you'll lay your life down for him and other people. Because that's what love does. We saw that last night on the movie Fire, Fireproof. Love's not feeling. Love is faith. Love is an action through faith. God wants us to love him so much it's incredible. Just come with me to Matthew 25 and I'm just going to quickly fly through this thing. And I want to show you this and I, I really want you to go away and ponder this because... There is truth in the Bible and we are going to be speaking it more and more that isn't necessarily the good stuff, but it is the good stuff. It's not going to tickle ears, but if you're walking with heart, soul, mind and strength, you will embrace it. Because Jesus loves us unconditionally. He died for us on a cross And his love gets you in. But there are a whole lot of other scriptures that I haven't heard preached which challenge me to the core that says, if you love your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your own life, if you love those things more than me, you are not worthy of me. And we have to contend for those that truth. Because Jesus is trying to communicate something to his church. And if you do what I have done over the time and just flip over it, because I didn't like it, it didn't fit with the, the message that I wanted to hear. You know, he says, you are my friend if, if you obey my commands. What does that mean? He loves you unconditionally, but there is... I say this, unconditional love got you in, but conditional love will be the thing that actually drives you forward. I was thinking about this on the way here. He said, deny yourself. If you want to follow me, it ain't just about praying a prayer one day. That got you in, that's good. But if you really want to come into the fullness, you must deny yourself. What's that? You have to make a choice to die to self. This is the same Jesus that loves you unconditionally. He's saying, if you want to follow me, if you really want to, deny yourself. So it starts there with a choice. He says, pick up now your cross. What's that? That's an action. Pick up. What does the cross represent? Pick it up. You've denied yourself. You're dying to self. Pick up your cross and now come and walk in my footsteps. You'll be persecuted. You'll be slandered. People will come at you, but you will find the most incredible freedom, the most incredible life. You will come alive on the inside. But it doesn't just it doesn't come at staying in a justified state, which is acknowledging what he did on a cross. Move forward into denying yourself. And that's what happens when we took from that that tree of good and evil. We started deciding who was going to be God and we decided, no, no, I'm going to do it my way. 
Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Good on you. I don't know. Where did it get him? I don't know. But that's not the way of the kingdom. Jesus demands, he commands that we live in accuracy to his truth. And I'm going to fly through this. Is that all right? I know we've probably spoken for but Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable. So it's a parable of ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. This is Christ returning, what we started with. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Oops. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too and you too go sorry, and you too go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And I just want to give you five quick things. The first thing that we need to acknowledge is that Jesus is talking in reference to the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom is wherever the rulership, the dominion of Christ is. Okay, It's where his lordship reigns is where the kingdom is. Do you understand that? So the kingdom is in our hearts. It's wherever, wherever he is is where his kingdom is. So a non-Christian cannot be in that kingdom. Do you understand that? Because I don't have the rulership, the lordship of Christ, because wherever the kingdom is, it's where the lordship, the dominion of Jesus is. That's the first thing. The second thing, the ten virgins represent ten Christians. The word virgin means marriageable, maiden, undefiled, clean. It says even a man who has abstained from uncleanliness. Now go back, what did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 11? For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Third thing, the oil is symbolic and represents the Holy Spirit. Come here to verse 4. But the prudent, which means the wise, and in that word, that Greek meaning wise, it means this, it means being single-minded, living one life, being led by the Spirit. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Oneness, not double-minded. God doesn't say have a five on each, each horse. He says, back my truth. There is only one truth. There's not two options. There's not evolution, macroevolution and creation. No, that's from the enemy. 
God said, I'd rather you were cold than you were hot. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be like certain number of my church today and be stuck in the middle trying to have a fiver in each way so it's comfortable because we don't know. No, don't be like that. That's unwise. Be wise. Walk in accuracy. Discern the truth. Walk together. Walk in discipleship. Challenge one another in love. Jesus is, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no other way. If, we can get, if, if the enemy can get us one degree off, he's got us. Okay? So he goes here, so he talks through, number four, but the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. So these prudent, these wise, they took oil with their lamps. They had oil in their lamp, but they had extra supply of oil for the journey. What does that represent? They're walking in the Spirit. They're continuously walking in the Spirit, getting revelation, because the oil represents the Spirit. The five that missed out quenched the Spirit in their life. It's about walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. The Bible says that. Do you know you can quench the Spirit? You can quench the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe me, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. So he's telling you, do not to do it. You can do it. Hence, I come back to my divine order. God, I love you. It's out of love that everything flows. So when I actually get to do some works, I know I've heard your voice because Jesus said I can only do what the Father does. And when I activate in it, I see the kingdom come to earth. That's the challenge for us as the church, to walk in that level of accuracy, isn't it? I'm on that process. I'm on that journey. That means you've got to fight to get into that intimate state with them in the spirit. Anyone else need to fight to get there? You've got to let some things die in your life. You've got to put some priorities. You've got to go, I value this. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I just want to sit here. And then you've got to have the faith to obey. You've got to have the courage to obey what he says in the quiet. Let's just carry on. Number four, you can't live off someone else's relationship because it won't get you into the wedding ceremony. Let me, let me read number eight, verse eight. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So you can be here but you can't live off someone else's revelation. You can't live off someone else who's on fire. You might want to, but you can't. You've got to do some work yourself. You've got to place yourself in those environments. You've got to seek the Father. He says it's the, the glory of a king to go digging. Are you a king? Do you want to be a king that goes digging for the things that are hidden for us, not from us? Or we just go through life and Jesus is returning. That is a reality, guys. That is a reality. He is returning. And we do not know the day or the time, but he is. And that prophetic or that prophecy isn't just that we would study it and it become a nice head, head message or we'd, you know, we'd all get tickled by the fact of trying to figure out the times and the days. Prophecy is to motivate, it's to get the revelation of the prophecy so it outworks that you would live a certain way now today. And there's this reality coming where there's these five virgins, there's ten virgins and five who are about to read it. 
Give me your oil. We were mucking around. We'd gone to sleep. And you need the oil to continue on the journey. You need the spirit life on the inside because it's about walking in the spirit to get in to the invite that the church has all been invited to because many are called, the Bible says, but few are chosen. Many are called. Everyone is called. And this is a prophetic picture for the church to understand that we have to walk in a way of the Spirit out of loving the Father because He loves us. Number five, it will be your own personal intimate relationship with Jesus and how well you know Him that will determine if you are part of the wedding ceremony and feast. Verse 11, Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, they knew him they knew him this isn't heaven and hell okay this is not hell this has nothing to do with hell this is in the kingdom of heaven and he says they say lord lord open up for us but he answered truly i say to you i do not know you now forgive me if i pronounce this word wrong but the greek word is oida it's o-i-d-a which means to know intimately, to see or to perceive. Jesus was saying to the five foolish versions, I don't know you intimately. We don't have a close relationship based on love. You are not a partaker of my life. You only partook in it, but not of it, or a sharer of my life. There was no fellowship between us. You just continue to do all these things. You continue to work in a mode of operation that you thought was right. But Greg spoke to you on a Sunday night and said, no, 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 it's not. You've got to flow from a loving heart relationship that comes in through the Spirit. Hits the emotions. The emotions kick in. You know, we are to love God with everything we have. We are to be in love with this person. I love my wife. It's not this fake thing. I don't, I don't I didn't marry Danielle so she could do all these things for me. I married her because I love her, because I want to hang with her for the sake of just being with the girl. And from that we have created a life and from that we have had children. And then you get this renewed mind thing going on when you understand the fullness of this thing and then you go. And we must be intimate with him. And he's saying, I know you only by observation. I saw you do these things, I saw you do that. I loved you, I died for you, you're in. You're in the kingdom, but there is something more. They are ten Christians, and five are missing out on something that five are entering into. What does that mean for us tonight? I would ask you to go seek the Holy Spirit and ask Him, what does that mean? For me, and the knowing in this is the key, because there is knowing and there is knowing. We heard this morning: you can acquire a whole lot of head knowledge, and then you can receive revelation of the knowledge, and know them in such a way that when a world comes and says, "I know this guy," let me tell you about him. 
I love him. He's transforming my life. You see, it's to be transformed. That's why it says, be renewed through your thinking, which transforms you. If we're not being transformed, there's something wrong with our picture. We're living on the outside of something that God wants you inside of. And I'll just throw this out there tonight that I think the Western church's main problem is we've forsaken our first love. We've forsaken him. Revelation 3 and the church of Laodicea, it's talking to the churches and it says, I'm knocking on the door of your heart, the church's heart. Will you let me in? I, don't, I hope that I hope we've been convicted and not condemned tonight. The truth is to rebuke us, to correct us, to straighten us, to align us, not to condemn us. And so my heart, I want to get there, my heart is to... I was convicted writing this thing. <laughs> and my heart is your leader. I wouldn't be doing you justice if I didn't bring you truth which convicted you because I don't want anybody hearing I do not know you he knows you he died for you but he's looking for a greater level of intimacy from your way to him he came he's right here he's made it possible you don't have to go you know he's here and if you want to know him more, let's just pray tonight. Let's just, we don't have to have musicians. Just stand up. If you say, I want to know him more, just stand to your feet and we'll just pray a real simple prayer. Because I said to you, it can only happen through revelation. And I can't do that. You can't do that. Only God can do that. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are so gracious towards us I thank you Holy Spirit and I thank you Lord that you died that we would come into the fullness Lord Lord that you've come to marry us not just save us from our sin you came to marry us you've come Lord that we would be a bride and the bride is making herself ready a a bride prepares herself she walks in such a way anticipating the day of her wedding And Lord, I thank you that you have made half of that picture possible through sending your son and you say, walk in the other way through my spirit and through my word and be faithful and be obedient and persevere. Guys, this isn't about reaching perfection because we can't. It's about walking in faith. It's about persevering and it's about being obedient and God has empowered you. The Bible says that I've given you my Holy Spirit as a deposit. You won't need it in a point in time. It's a deposit to help you, empower you to walk in accuracy as a follower of His and that you would come into everything that He has for you. And so, Jesus, we stand before you as your sons and daughters and as a community. And we say we want more of you. I want more of you, Lord.
more today than what I walked in here with. And I pray for my fellow brothers and sisters, Lord, these great people at the Rock. We pray for our church tonight, every single person that calls the Rock their home. And I pray, God, the spirit of revelation would unlock some of these things that your word talks about. Lord, that we would come into the reality of not just knowing about you, but we would know you. And we could say to people, I know him. He came. I know him. He's unlocked these things. I know this man. There was a woman at a well and said, Let, come, come with me. I want to tell you about the man I've met. She received the revelation of the Christ. Who are you? You are the Christ. It came from heaven. Father, tonight I pray when our hearts are open to receive, I pray, God, that you would drop a seed into our hearts, Lord, a greater knowledge of you, greater knowing of you right now. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Just, just however you want to do it, just ask him for yourself, your own words, just, just whatever you want from him. Because he, he looks and if he sees hunger, he responds to hunger. He's a hungry God and he responds to hunger of hearts. So let's just take the next two minutes and just ask whatever you want. But ask with faith. If you want to speak in tongues, speak in tongues. If you want to just lift up that, that language to him, do that. If you can't quite get the words out. If you just want to pray from your heart, just pray from your heart. And he'll respond to the hunger of your heart, the heart cry of your heart, because he promises to. He's faithful to perform on his word, the Bible says.